It's Friday. So you know what that means? It's sports reports as ordered. Mike Wilson, a.k.a. 2-5, coming at you with my guy, Raphael Rutley. We are here today. We're going to talk to you about who is the NBA MVP. One of us might feel a certain way about a guy in Denver. We'll see. You know, then we're going to transition and we're going to talk about reactions. And I know we did reactions to the trade deadline, but now we're going to make some predictions along with that from what we've seen so far and where we're headed to in the future. Then we're going to talk about what are the Chicago Bears doing? I feel like every week we're talking about what somebody's doing. And this week it's the Chicago Bears. And then we're going to finish it off with a little Jalen Carter recap and thoughts. And then we're going to get into get it off my chest. Raphael, what is the word? What's going on, man? Friday. It's been a good week. It's finally getting a little chilly here in Jersey. But yeah, like I said, man, just a couple times a week, we get to chop up this fellowship. I mean, it's these conversations, good conversation with Skimmy. We want to shout out everybody that's been following, downloading, watching on the pod, watching the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, listening to it, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast, listen to it. Appreciate the feedback. We're working on it. We're going to get new equipment and everything else so you know we're, we're, we're moving on up as soon as ESPN give us that call or Fox Sports 1 gives us the call we're on it we're gonna have a nice little studio but for now we got the set up here you got the set up there so let's get into it Mike start us off so I was wondering I've been watching TV I've been watching these games I've been trying to dissect and watching it in a different way that I've watched it before I'm re-watching games a little bit now so Raph is Nikola Jokic the MVP for the third year in a row? If you are really into analytics, he's your mm-hmm. guy. If you just simply go off the analytics, he's your guy. I've talked a couple times in videos how I feel about analytics. Like I said, I understand how they can tell a story, but ultimately you got to go with your gut. You got to go with what you see. I don't think he's MVP because I think that the other top MVP candidates in a head-to-head matchup are, are they're, they're going to get, they're going to, they have an advantage over him. Well, what they do best versus what he does best, I think they can beat him. We saw when Embiid, when Embiid literally went at him, um, you'll see it, you know, if, if you have a guy like Giannis or Jason Tatum, I just think like, and no, those players' ability to take over games versus just, being able to impact the game. I get that a lot of players impact the game. Steve Nash won back-to-back MVPs impacting the game. But when it came down to it, if he, if you were holding everybody out, you'd be like, listen, we're going to play Steve straight up. We're not going to help. We're going to stay here on these shooters. What can Steve do? You do that to Kobe in those years. Kobe's a guy, cool. I'm going to go for 52. You do that to... Durant, Durant's gonna drop 40 on you. Even Westbrook, even though everybody knew he was he was, I won't say gunning for the triple double, but he still was averaging 30 with his triple double. And people talk about, you know, Jokic's record, some it's pretty high. Like I think it's like 23 and 0 this year when he had a triple double going back to last year, it was like 28 in a row. Russell Westbrook's triple double record with OKC was just as good. Somewhere there like 80-something and single digits, like 82 and 8 or something like that in his games where he had triple-double. So it's not a matter of just he was, you know, stat, you know, stat bag or whatever. And neither is Jokic. So I get that. If you have the opportunity, if you're getting 10 assists and 11 rebounds and 25, 36 points, 
25, 26 points, yeah, you, you're probably going to win a lot of those games. But when it comes down to you match up with the other top two or three MVP candidates, can you put on a better show than them? I think Embiid can put on a better show than Jokic. All right. So when I started looking at this, you know, because, you know, before I looked at the numbers and everything, obviously all I had was the eye test. You know, Nikola Jokic makes the right basketball play. So when the season first started, when the season first started, first, you know, 20 to 25 games, my initial thought was Embiid was the MVP. You know, as we went on a few more weeks, I started leaning towards Luka, but I knew it couldn't be him because his team didn't have the success. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be on the best team or anything like that, but obviously, like, it would be it would behoove you to have a high seed if you want to be the MVP. So, you know, so I eliminated Luka out the way. You know, then I thought about Donovan Mitchell for a second just because Cleveland, what are they doing? Like, wow. And then, I like, I landed on Giannis, and I said, okay, but what is Giannis doing that I haven't seen Giannis do before? So not from the standpoint of trying to use his past against him or anything like that. But to me, he isn't necessarily standing out this season in the way that he did in his MVP seasons. Now, the last couple of weeks, that's a little different because he's had these 50-point games and all that kind of stuff like that. But then it hit me. And I'm not saying this person is the MVP, but it just it hit me. I said, wow, look at Jason Tatum up there. You know, like he might not be better than Jalen Brown, but he got an MVP case. You know, so then I started doing a little digging, right? So what I came up with, is uh, Jokic going to your point, like the analytic dream, you know? So the Nuggets are 20.2 points better per 100 possessions when he's on the court this season. And that's courtesy of Kurt Highland from NBC Sports. And I hope I said your name right, you know? Uh, but when I looked at Tatum, you know, um, when you look at real plus minus, because, you know, like that's the big thing now, plus minus, Tatum has actually been the highest impact player in the NBA, you know, uh, when it comes to real plus minus, you know? But I wanted to look at the two big men, Jokic and Embiid, because those were my two, I thought, that were button heads over this award, right? So what I came up with <clears throat> is Embiid allows three quarters of a point. <laughs> I think that's how you say that. 0.75 points per chance to opponents as the ball handler defender when he's an isolated defender. So that's in isolation, um, which is 11th best in the NBA. Jokic is at 0.99, but... Of course, numbers, numbers, numbers. That ranks him at 123rd. You can't be my MVP defending like that, you know, first of all. You know, second of all, you know, um, uh, with real plus minus, um, when it comes to net point differential per 100 defensive possessions, Jokic is sixth. I'm sorry, offensive possessions. Jokic is sixth and Embiid is seventh. So where Embiid is better than Jokic defensively, Jokic isn't that much better than Embiid offensively. Like, he obviously doesn't score more. He's averaging a triple-double, so he has that going for him. So I'll lay it like this, Raph. I think Jokic will win the MVP award. I think they will give him the MVP award. But for the moment, I think I'm leaning Tatum, but I got to let Embiid play some more games to catch up because he's missed the most games out of these people we're talking about. Yeah, but the problem with the MVP is the same issue we were having back with college football with the BCS. Similar to what we have now with the preseason top 25, so forth and so on. 
is that you put players or teams or coaches or whatever in this rank and file order when everything is zero zero. No one scored a point. No one's won a game. The clock hasn't struck, you know, at all. So when you put Jokic up there and then his numbers seem to back up the fact that you put him up there, it's like there's he hasn't done anything to come down. But when you have that ceiling for these other guys who are at two, three, and four, because it shouldn't be more than like five players that are in your MVP. Five is, is a good, I mean, it's an odd number, but it's a good round number to have like five guys in any league, any sport, whatever the case may be, those top five guys. So if you put a guy up at one preseason and then he plays to his, his level, which Jokic is a two-time MVP, he's an all-star, he's a great basketball player, and the rest of these guys also play great. It won't. It doesn't make a difference because mybasketballreference.com. I got the top ten candidates right now. You got Jokic and B, Giannis, Luca, Tatum as your top five. Rounding out the top ten, you got James Harden, Demontis Sabonis, Dame Lillard, John Morant, and Shea Gilgeous Alexander. According to this probability percentage, Jokic is at sixty nine point six percent probable to win the MVP. So I asked, what did he do to have a 62% advantage on the second guy? Like, is he that much better than Embiid to the point where it's like, you know what? It's so likely that he's going to win. Like, it's not even, it can't be closer. It's not 30, 30, maybe a couple of 20s. Like, he's that far ahead. I don't think he's that far ahead other than the storyline that put him up there from the beginning. So that's why I swing hard on the pendulum with the matchups. It's like if you if you're so much better than everybody else, then that should be reflected in your performance against everybody else. And this last game we saw against him and then B, which I think those are going to be your final two guys. Like all these other guys, they're they will trickle in there, but I don't think Tatum can leapfrog Giannis because I think Giannis his game. It looks like he's playing harder. Tatum looks real smooth. So when he's off, it doesn't look like he's trying. It's like he's just missing shots. Whereas Giannis can just be going hard to the hoop. Maybe he misses a float or whatever the case may be. But with Embiid, he's so big. He plays so skilled. He plays like they ran that that highlight with the Kobe or the Jordan, Kobe, Embiid, like the superimposed, like each one of the players. He's doing Kobe moves at 285 pounds. So, but the fact that they put Jokic up so high, it's just hard for him to punch through that ceiling. He can't, he can't get first team All NBA because they're both listed as centers. So it looks like his career, it looks like he's second tier to Jokic, but it's like you only get one spot. And then for the All Star voting. It's front court players versus back court players. So do you get your small forwards, your Kevin Durant, your Jason Tatum's and those guys, they take spots from him because he's not a front court, you know, so it just it just always seems like there's something in the way with Embiid. But yet when you put him in front of these guys who are compared to him, even that the shot that didn't count against Boston. I mean, that's an 80 foot push shot from a seven-footer 
who can also hit the game-winning three against Toronto in the playoffs. I just think that what, what he does, I think as far as like the MVP, the way it looks, the optics, the eye test, I got to be over Jokic. Well, this is what I this is what I don't want. I don't. If you want to vote for Jokic, vote for Jokic, but don't not vote for Jokic because Larry Bird and Wilt Chamberlain won three MVPs in a row, and you don't view him the same as you view them, so you don't want him to be on that level. Yeah, that'd, not, be, that'd be flawed. That'd be a flaw. Yeah, don't not I vote do. for him. Don't not vote for him because. LeBron didn't win three MVPs in a row, and many people feel he should have. So don't punish him because like somebody else got punished. And be it, get 100% because Babe Ruth didn't for the Hall of Fame vote, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give him be don't give him be the MVP because he was the runner up to Jokic last year, and you're trying to create a storyline, or you feel he deserves it because of that. Just vote for who you feel is the MVP because we all have our own reasons. But like you said, to your point, the narratives, because every time I turn on a show and watch somebody, they're talking about Jokic is the best passer in NBA history, you know, and like all this kind of stuff. So it overinflates, you know, because he's doing great things. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, he is an analytic dream. You know, he is making the right basketball play. He's doing all those things that he deserves to get he's credit for. Basketball player. Yeah. But- but to, just to lock him in at one. No. No. And see, and where, and where, like, I think Tatum will get some votes is just from the standpoint of, well, up until Milwaukee's current 16-game winning streak, Boston had the best record in the league for three quarters of the season. So, like, that, I ain't going to say that that doesn't matter, you know, but I'm not, I'm working on it. Like, part of my bias is when I look at things like MVP, you know, a couple of years ago, I might have looked at somebody like Sabonis because I'm looking at somebody on a team that nothing was expected of and they came out of the blue. Like, I thought Chris Paul should have had a couple of MVPs, you know, but um, but that's just how I looked at things. So I'm trying to attack you this. You Nash for Chris Paul not getting MVP. <laughs> you, know, you know it goes in ways. It's like the triple-double thing. I'm surprised Jokic is getting the love that he's gotten because Westbrook's MVP was because of the triple double. I mean, he played great, but it was like the the storyline there was Oscar Robinson's record averaged a triple double. So I'm surprised it hasn't really soiled the Jokic case because we we had these narratives. But like the Chris Paul, Chris Paul doesn't get MVP votes because Steve Nash got back to back MVP. Right. When he didn't deserve it, flat out didn't deserve it. I don't care what you say, LeBron or Kobe those years, they were clearly MVP. Yeah, like, like for example, I thought Chris Paul should have won MVP the OKC year, you know, just because he literally drugged that team. Granted, I think they finished at the five seed, so it wasn't like they jumped. To, huh? They were trying to tank when they got him. I know, that's what I'm saying. And he just grabbed them and said, no, we're not doing this. But, like, what Jason Tatum has going for him is that he's averaging career highs in six different categories. But when I think about that logically, that sounds more most improved than it does MVP. So, you know, so I think that hurts him in that way, just from my vantage point. You know, um, as far as Luca goes, he definitely has the statistical profile to be an MVP, but the team's success just isn't there. And I ain't talking about where their seed is or whatever, but they're only two games above 500 right now. So, you know, so I can't have him in that situation. So going back to your point of having five guys, you know, you know, at most in your MVP conversation, I think we're I think we're almost at the point where we're just at three. I think, you know, I think right now, as, as of this moment that we're having this conversation, 
I think it's Jokic, Embiid, or Giannis, you know, at this point. And and like I told you um, when we had our pre-meeting. Good stories um, for the future. Right. So so one of the things that, I, like I said, I knocked, I just looked at this just randomly. So, you know, when I was looking at it, Embiid has missed 13 games. Giannis has missed 12. Um, Jokic has only missed eight. Tatum's only missed four. So, you know, going back to the whole, like, availability is the best ability, you know, that was the one thing that I used to kind of knock Embiid because we were talking about EPRs, you know, like um, enlisted performance reports for all you out there that don't know. You know, basically everybody's going to look like a rock star. Everybody looks like they're the best at their job. They they knocked it out. They did all the volunteering. They're awesome. But then you got to find a way to rack. You got to stack people, you know, to figure out who's better than who. And you start nitpicking. So each person has their own criteria. But you can't follow the criteria when the storyline is so dominant. Yeah. So but with the the MVP and I get it such a, for for a league that has such a media stronghold. And the media tends to basically ignore the regular season unless they're talking about the MVP. I mean, granted, now people starting to talk about low management more because a lot of guys load manage after the All-Star game when they already had like eight or nine days off and they missed games before. So I think people are kind of getting upset with that. I think the ticket price, everything else. But the media, they're they're like engulfed in this MVP argument, but they're willing to just allow guys to not play games and not be in the running for the MVP because they want to be ready for the playoffs. So it, it becomes a situation where is the award, like what's more valuable, the regular season MVP or the Eastern Conference, Western Conference MVP, and then the finals MVP? Because that's ultimately, if Jokic doesn't get those awards, then when people talk about this 10, 12 years from now on different podcasts and TV shows, then there's going to be, well, yeah, he won three MVPs in a row. Like, yeah, but he didn't win a single Western Conference MVP, they just made up. They just made this this award up. So it's like, way people could have gotten it before, but he would have been able to get it like Steph got it last year, the Magic Johnson Award, or a guy in the East winning the Larry Bird Award, or even the Finals MVP. So it's like, are you getting all the awards? Are you getting the postseason awards? Because if you, because with Giannis, Giannis has had the same MVP numbers that he had the two years that he run, he won it the last two years, and he has them this year. Essentially, they're almost identical. So for five years, two of which he won MVP, third year he was finals MVP, and then last year they got knocked out of the playoffs, but, and now this current year. So he has five years of these, of prime numbers, but yet he's, in this ranking, he's third in the MVP. So a guy who doesn't have the postseason success, and I get that it's a regular season award, so, like, hopefully they do pick up the – and understand, like, okay, he's having a great year, but Embiid is potentially having a better one. Well, you know, like, don't – here's another cardinal rule. Don't not vote for your MVP candidate because you're trying to project what they're going to do in the playoffs. You know, because I heard that, like, a couple of days ago on um, – you know, one of the NBA podcasts that I listened to and he was the guy was saying like, well, the, the Nuggets, I don't think they're going to make the finals or I don't think 
they're going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. So how can he be the MVP? But like you said, it's a regular season award. And last time I checked, and I know you got a retort for this, so I'm going to let you get it off real quick. But, you know, Jokic has made a Western Conference Finals. You know, Luka has made a Western Conference Final. Tatum has made a NBA Final in the Eastern Conference Finals. Embiid has not made it out of the second round. It's not his fault. It's not his fault, but he hasn't made it out the second round. Why is that, Raph? Well, Kawhi traveled. <laughs> Talk about that. Um, and then Ben had a dunk that he didn't take. Granted, he shouldn't have been in that situation with the Hawks. I mean, maybe maybe Embiid, maybe he just, he just ran up against teams that just had a better matchup in those years. I think he had a single-digit game in that series, too. I'm not saying he's an all-time great. Right, I mean, right. he has got to work towards that. But year after year, he has proven that he, as an individual player, because it's an individual award. I know it's mm-hmm. some team elements to it, like your team can't go 30 and 52 and you win MVP. It's unlikely in today's age. Maybe in the 60s when they played whatever amount of games, somebody just was outstanding and they didn't care about the record and they won MVP. Yeah, maybe somebody can win the finals on the losing te- finals MVPs on the losing team. I like shout out to Jerry West, the logo. Um, but I just, I just think that Jokic does have such an advantage because all the odds makers every week, he's not doing anything week to week to to drop himself. His team aren't they're not going on five game losing streaks. He's not going four for eighteen, four or five games in a row. Or his team's not two and twelve in the last fourteen. So he won't do anything to bring down his current status. I just think that Embiid should get elevated for the fact that I think he, as an individual, because I think if you look at this numbers, I think the numbers are washed. I think that I think what Jokic brings numbers wise, and what Embiid, Embiid brings numbers wise are washed. So you got to look at the matchup and you got to look at the eye test. What which guy is doing it better? Which guy you think is playing better basketball? Which guy you think can dominate the other team on both ends of the floor? I think Embiid can do that better than Jokic. Yeah, and and there was something that you said in our pre-meeting that I thought was, you know, very relevant, you know, from the standpoint of you can tell Embiid, hey, big man, we need 40 tonight, you know, and he'll go out and do that and, you know, still get you 14 rebounds and some other stuff. Whereas with, with Jokic... Where whereas Jokic, I think, see the word, I think he could go out and get 40 if he if he needed to or whatever. I just don't know if he could do it consistently. Like Embiid could probably do it for a series. Like he can average 32 for a series. You know, I don't know if Jokic is that type of player that would try to even average 32 in a series. So, you know, but obviously it's more than scoring. And that's the argument that Jokic has is that, like I said, he's averaging a triple double and he's a center, you know, like I could just imagine what we would be talking about if somebody like say LeBron James was averaging a triple double for a season. You know, I I know, I know, I know. He's just, he's just the guy that has the basketball. He's being guarded by another person who's labeled as a center. It's not like he's out there with Kyrie level handles playing center. He's just a big dude using his big body, making great passes. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay. Right, right, right. But I think people say, oh, well, he's a center. Like, yeah, he has the ball the whole time. He's basically (laughs) 
Luca with a few more inches of height and maybe a few more pounds. He just he just handles the ball like the way their offense works. He handles the ball. Well, one of the things that stood out to me as well is um, I was trying to look at the supporting cast. So, you know, so like bringing Jason Tatum back into the conversation for a second. You know, he has Jalen Brown. He has the reigning defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart. He has the NBA leader in three point percentage right now, Malcolm Brogdon. You know, I remember his first name this time on the first try, you know, and then uh, when I look at Embiid, he's got Harden, who you just said was on that same list, you know, as I think number six or number seven. That's cool. Right. And you have Tyrese Maxey, who is potentially six man of the year, you know, um, or at least in the conversation. And then when I look at Jokic, Jamal Murray is back. You know, he's and he's been playing good like but he obviously played his best basketball of his career in the bubble as far as numbers and what he was contributing. But then you got Michael Porter Jr., who, you know, I'm just happy to see the dude on the court because he's, you know, back issues and all that kind of stuff Time for a young guy, man, that back that back was killing him. Yeah. But but like so when we were talking about defense and Jokic's shortfalls. You know, like, it's not like Michael Porter is making that up. You know what I mean? Like, Aaron Gordon, depending on what you think of him, he's obviously talented. But Aaron Gordon is not, like, KG or Tim Duncan or something along those lines. So when so when I look at it, I think Jokic probably has the worst. And that's not an insult. I don't mean that as an insult. But just comparatively speaking, I think other candidates have better supporting cast. You know, Giannis has an argument because Chris Middleton's been in and out the lineup. You know, so from that standpoint, he hasn't had his number two, you know, so Drew Holiday has had to step up, you know. So, so I mean, like, just looking at it that way, I can see how people can get to Jokic being the MVP. He's not my MVP, but I can see how people can get to that. And I think that besides him and Embiid, and if people want to include Giannis, like, I don't think that there's like, like you, you brought up Devin Booker. You know, and how he should have got some votes. Yeah. So, so like, this isn't that type of year. Like, I brought up Donovan Mitchell, you know, because I was looking at the Cavs' record. But, like, all he really brings to the table is scoring. You know, like, you know, it's for the most part when you look at his numbers and, you know, what he does. So, I mean, he had the 71-point game. You know, he had 11 boards in that game. But for the most part, when I see Donovan Mitchell, I just see a score. You know, whereas when I look at Tatum, I see someone who can score you know, who does a lot of things like the Cordell Stewart. He's like slash. Yeah. So, so, you know, so from that standpoint, um, I think the only reason that I didn't put Embiid over Jokic, you know, like I said, was just the missed games. You know, that was the only thing, but is Jason Tatum not load managing or something? Like what's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, when you're in your twenties, you don't need a load manage. I guess not, you know, but just, practice left like when i hear like these guys play a 48 minute basketball game just don't practice for six hours that week practice for two mm-hmm. film and just guys get massages stretch do some yoga like it's not like they're gonna forget how to play basketball if you don't practice super hard mm-hmm. week. if you have a couple of back-to-backs or if you have four games and seven nights or whatever whatever the, the stipulations are all right take a break and practice Get to get the best hotels, get little machines that massage these guys while they sleep. I mean, just do other things. Because, like I said, when we talk about this money, you charge two hundred ticket. Jump up in those hyperbaric chambers, you know. Um, so, you with them. so, so, so just to, 
So just to make sure that I got this correct, you have Embiid as your MVP, but yes. you but you probably think that it's going to be given to Jokic. Jokic, I think because the where he was where he started off, he hasn't done anything to fall off, and I just find it. I think it's unlikely that voters are going to be like, well, we know he started here and he's just been consistent all year long. Now we're going to move him to two. It just mm-hmm. seems unlikely. Okay. And then for me, for the record, I'm going with Tatum, and but they're going to give it to Jokic. So with that being said, you know, we had the trade deadline a couple of weeks ago. We've had some time to watch these new versions of these teams. You know, what kind, what kind of, what you seeing, Raph? What I'm seeing is that uh, Russell Westbrook can't do anything without exercise. Can't, I mean, it doesn't matter. He plays hard. He's tough. He's a good teammate. No matter what. But the last night, with the way Draymond was guarding him, (laughs) he should have taken a pause, taken a breath, and knocked down those threes. Like, if people are going to guard you the way they guard Draymond, and Draymond's acting like, oh, he's talking about, oh, you know, when you get left open that many times, it, you know, works on your confidence, and so you start thinking more. I'm like, uh, bro, we we watch TV and 4K. We see people defend you the same way when you're outside the three-point line. You don't even look at the rim. So he can stop acting like he's doing some new some new Jedi mind trick on Wilson Westbrook because they did it to you. That's where you got it from because the last series, yeah, you won a championship last year, but uh, nobody was guarding you 23 feet out. They guard you if you came in and you was doing like a little pick and roll with your hips, sticking your hip out to get clay open. But other than that, they would leave you wide open from three also. I had a lot of over-unders, Draymond hitting two, two and a half threes. I'm like, but I had one and a half, okay, maybe a hit two. But I had plenty of nights where it was like Draymond over-under threes, 0.5. I'm like, <laughs> he went ahead. But Russell, I think people are gonna look at the record. It could be a streak where just guys gotta gel. I don't think he should be starting, but for some reason he is. I know like I think it'd be better if you bring him in with the second unit. That way the second unit has to go to his speed, like you talked about in our pre-meeting. Kawhi doesn't play fast. Paul George could because he played with Russ before. And I think he's a, maybe I won't say a little bit more athletic than Kawhi, you know, seeing way that Kawhi isn't athletic. But I think Russ just plays faster. You want to put it in there with younger second unit guys. Maybe go a little small ball. That way they can't play them the way they were playing them, you know, shoot the three. It's like, oh, I'm coming downhill all day. Um, I think the Lakers, all their trade moves, they're all good, except the fact that LeBron is going to be reevaluated in three weeks. And that's late March. Season basically wraps up. What the twentieth? Oh, play the playoffs begin April fifteenth. If he's getting reevaluated on the twentieth of March, twenty first. I mean, like that's barely twenty days, twenty calendar days. And how many games going to have in there? How many home games? How many back to backs you going to have? How many? Like, is he going to be in a rest when he comes back? Is he going to try to come back too early and re-aggravate it? So I think all those moves they did were for not because the same thing that's plagued them all year long or like the last few years, it's the injury bug. 
LeBron and AD were both injured when they played against Phoenix when they were the seventh seed. Because that's when LeBron hurt his ankle. Solomon, whatever, dove on it. So I think the Lakers, the injuries, is, is going to be tough. Kyrie, Luka, not one I'm really known for defense. I think the move, I think it's a good swing for the fence. I think it was a la Toronto, San Antonio getting, getting Kawhi. It's like you hired this mercenary. Can this sniper take out the targets from April until the end of May? Can you hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy with this combination player? No one thought Dirk could beat the Miami Heat, the Heatles. But if you, you get in there, you got a shot. You got a shot. That's all you need. So I think getting Kyrie in there is, is a good shot. A healthy Suns team is should win the West, if not winning at all. So I think KD to the Suns, like even Trey Young had to laugh about it, like, He's like, Katie's really on the Suns. So those are the four teams people are going to talk about. I know a lot of teams made moves. I know Portland traded Josh Hart during the warm-ups, which is going to make Dame Little want to go to Utah. That's a different story, different conversation we've already had before. But I think those are your four major teams that made, made moves and impacts. And I think that's, as of right now, I think the Suns are your most likely to be successful for long like this season be successful i think they're going to have the most successful result i think the mavs are going to have a good result but i don't know if it's good enough to keep Kyrie because the west granted it's not like there's no juggernaut but they do have a hard, they do have a tough road out west especially with denver suns a healthy warriors team and then, you know, so you just you just have so many elements to fight through. So I think the Lakers are out of it. I think they're done. I think they're going to wrap their season up here before St. Patty's Day. They're going to be like, yeah, we're done. Um, I think the Clippers still got a shot. They just got to figure out where, where do you put Russ? Well, you remember when we were talking about um, if we saw a team out there that could do what Boston did last year. I literally said it has to be the Clippers, but they signed Russell Westbrook, you know, um, because like uh, Terrence Mann has been playing well, you know, and I think he could be that starter, you know, um, to, to replace Westbrook. Westbrook is in the sixth man of the year conversation. So that is something that he is equipped to do. You know, he can come off the bench, you know, but now going back to what we were saying, you know, Westbrook gets that ball and he wants to go. You know, like Kawhi ain't doing that. You know, we're just hoping that Kawhi can make it through this postseason run. You know, so, you know, we're not trying to aggravate anything. We're not trying to force him to put some horsepower in there that he doesn't have. You know, so, um, but also, Paul George, when they went to, when they were in OKC together, they didn't get out the first round. They lost in five games to the Jazz. So it's not as if they had success before, you know, to where we can go. Oh, you got the band back together? The Clippers are coming. But I do think that the Clippers, where they are right now, they haven't won since the All-Star break. I don't expect them to go over for the rest of the season. You know, they're going to win some games. We'll see where they end up. But all I know is I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. And I saw that the Suns are the four seed and the Warriors are the five. Give me that matchup. But I do agree that Phoenix is probably going to end up being the front runner 
you know, you know, odds. We're talking about Jokic and the percentages and the odds. People are going to have the Suns as the one seed, you know. So I'm sorry, Denver. I'm sorry, Denver. If it came down to you and Phoenix, I'm probably going to pick Phoenix. You know, and I like how you made it through that whole conversation about how tough the West was going to be and all this stuff, and you didn't even mention the second seed. But anyway, um, Dallas. (laughs) Dallas. um, I was the one that was high on Dallas. You know, I said that they should feel that they could go into a playoff series with almost anybody in the West and feel like they have a shot to win that series. So I'm going to step it back a little bit, and I'm going to say Dallas. The key for you is that number six seed and get the Kings. That's your that's your key right there. Get the Kings in the first round. I'm not saying that you're going to automatically win that series because Mike Brown is my coach of the year. I'm just saying, you know, get 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 them. You're just saying you want them to play to get the matchup against the Kings. Right. Whatever. Right. So so because I think that. Are you prolonging the inevitable? Maybe. Maybe. But look. The Golden State Warriors have showed us over the last seven or eight years. All you got to do is survive and somebody might get injured to help you win a title. You know, but, you know, but, but, but from Dallas, I like Dallas. I like Dallas too. I just, I just think that, I think the lack of defense is going to hurt them in the playoffs. Cause like you said, the deep in the, in the playoffs, they let you grab a little more. Mm-hmm. But, you but know? it's, but it's narratives, right? Because coming into last night, they were one in four, you know, since the trade. But then they went and beat Philadelphia last night. You know, like I think in in the in two of those four games that Dallas lost, literally came down to the last shot. So it's not as if they're out here getting blown out or you know they're losing. You know they were close and then the game ends up a ten point loss or whatever. They're in these games, you know, and I think that they have a Christian Wood problem because he gets numbers, but I can't never tell you what he actually contributes. You know, so I think that's going to be their downfall oh, because when you when you have those kind of players that they're on the floor, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's like <laughs> Julius Randle. I mean, I don't want to keep picking on Julius Randle, but it's like Julius Randle. The Knicks are doing good since they got Josh Hart. They're on their little streak themselves. They're they're hot. You know what I mean? But Julius Randle is that guy that might get you 27 and 13 and then you still lose by 15 points. And you're like, what happened? That's Christian Wood. There's going to come a game where he's going to put up 29, 10 boards, and Dallas is still going to lose by about eight or nine points. And you're just going to try to figure out how did this happen. So that's their downfall, I think. You know, um, looking at the Suns, we obviously don't have enough data yet. You know, this is KD's second game with them. First one went really well. Second one, yeah, second one looks good. But remember that first game. See, this is the thing, right? You got to look at the schedule. Shout out to Woody Page because on Around the Horn, he told everybody all the time, look at the schedule. KD's first game was against who? Charlotte. It was against Charlotte. Who he playing tonight? He playing Brooklyn tonight. Oh, I mean the Bulls. I'm sorry. He's playing the Bulls tonight. So, 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 So look at the schedule. You know what I mean? So right now, he's supposed to look good. These are good games to get him back into the swing of things. So I think that I like the fit because Kevin Durant, as far as a superstar goes, um, I don't want to insult easy money sniper because, you know, you know, we've said enough about him. But but he's not that typical superstar that comes in and owns the room. You know, so you can put him in these lineups and in these situations and it's not going to disrupt anything because he just fits. He'll play his role as long as he can get a shot. Right. You talking about fit. Yeah. Right now. Kevin Durant has played 27 minutes, 
seven for ten, two for two for four from three, nine rebounds, five to twenty points. That's what I'm saying. He just fits. He probably not even sweating. Yeah. So so when he went to Golden State, for example, you know, like if you were to put, say, young Carmelo in that situation, it doesn't look the same. Because Melo want the shots, Melo want to be the man. KD knew going to the Warriors, like, this is Steph's team. I should get all the shots that I want, like, as far as, like, easy looks and all that. It makes the game easier. And I think that's what he – and I think that's what he has with the Suns right now. The game is easier because Devin Booker is going to be – and I don't mean this because he's not, he's not, but Devin Booker is going to be the chucker. You know what I mean? And Chris Paul lives to set other people up. So that works out for them. Booker is six for ten from three. I didn't think he shot that many threes. He must be feeling it tonight. I mean, hey, he's got a seventy point game under his belt. Seventy one. Seventy one. You know, whatever. Seventy. But but you know, but but yeah. So I think that's where we are. I think that Phoenix is obviously um, the best equipped to go on a run after the moves that have been made. They're they're the team that should look at everybody else and say. We got easy money sniper and you don't. So the trade robbery of this trade. Yes. Yes. Sport that we can think about in the last calendar year. They rob. Brooklyn. See. See what I would like to see, though, from from that standpoint of the fit and all that stuff and making, you know, having easier shots. Maybe the Clippers could be their kryptonite, you know, with Paul George and Kawhi being able to switch off of him and all that kind of stuff. Okay, let's let's get this straight. Those dudes don't play defense. I don't, <laughs> know, I don't know where this came from. I don't know where this whole these two are wing def- they're not they're not good wing defenders. They're long and they're tall, six nine and like six seven and some change and like gigantic hands, but they don't play defense. Luca averages like forty against them in the playoffs. Hey, but we saw we with saw no, easy money no forty has. We saw Easy Money Sniper struggling with Chris Paul guarding him in the post before. So, like, having those long arms matter. That was a long time ago. (laughs) I'm talking about right now. If y'all are sitting right here still talking about Kawhi and Paul George, their elite defenders, y'all are tripping. You said it yourself. (laughs) You said it yourself that Kawhi said, I'm getting ready for the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know what I'm saying? So, Kawhi (laughs) stepping up in the playoffs. He's going to step it up. You know what I mean? I don't know what the Clippers going to be, but what I would find hilarious is if the Clippers ended up in the play-in. That would be hilarious. You know, because Golden State is now up to five. You know, so where are we? Give me that Phoenix. Give me Phoenix and give me Golden State and give it to me now. Right now, so the the play-in goes 7-11, 8 versus 9, right? Or no? 7-10, yeah. 7-10, okay. Yeah. So that would give you Clippers, Pelicans. The Lakers are a, like a game back of the Pelicans. Portland's uh, right there. Portland's right there. The Spurs, I thought the Spurs were trying to tank. I guess Houston said, hold my beer, watch what we could do. Well, the Spurs, you know, we're also on like a 16-game losing streak, too. <laughs> the Rockets are going to end up with this Weeping Yama kid. And, it's, yeah. and it won't work out. because yeah, yeah, and speaking of which, side note, you know, what's all this talk about Harden going back to Houston? I don't know. I think people are just bored with the other stuff that's going on with sports, so we got to make but these, But these are like execs saying this, though. These are execs saying that they see that happening. I don't believe any exec 
ever because I don't think they tell the truth. I, feel like <laughs> I just think I think they I think most of them are probably lawyers, mm-hmm. or they work closely with lawyers. <laughs> and if you ever talk to a lawyer, they will smooth talk with the best of them. This is true. This is true. So yeah, with with these 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 trades, I think a lot of teams. I felt as if teams were making moves simply because another team made a move, mm-hmm. want to stand pat, and then have somebody leapfrog you. But making too many moves can, you know, I don't want to say destroy your chemistry because it can be rebuilt, but diminish your chemistry, and you have to rebuild it. And if you don't have a guy that can slide in, like, I mean, Kevin Durant's like ranch dressing. <laughs> I mean, wings, pizza, salad. I mean, you could just you could have it you could have it on the table at any restaurant. Like you know what, everybody that's eating here can use this. Some of these guys are barbecue sauce. You can't put barbecue sauce on a hot dog. Well, you know, as the two five guy <laughs> I am, I'm more of a blue cheese kind of guy. But you know, you put blue cheese. You can put blue cheese on a burger. You can you can eat chicken wings with it. People, some people eat it with just like lunch, like cottage cheese. You know. You you can you can be versatile like, and Kevin Durant is that, but a lot of these other guys have to fit. Russ has to fit like he's a puzzle piece. You gotta have that cutout to put him in it. If you have him there, then it's, it's it's a bonus. But if you don't, if you are trying to put square peg round hole, it's not gonna work out. Oh yeah, let's not forget that the Clippers lost one of these games, one seventy six to one seventy five. By the way. And the thing about that, that should be considered very entertaining. And what, <laughs> what did we get the next day? The league was talking about putting a cap because they don't want players playing too many minutes. These dudes are in their 30s. 30s. Man, I was doing crazy stuff in my 30s. I'd go out all night long, party, shower, go to work, smell like beer and cologne, work all day, get off work, take a nap, and get right back at it. And yeah. I was nowhere near pristine physical <laughs> of these athletes. You mean to tell me they can't play basketball for 40 minutes with breaks? They don't even gotta play for 40 because you they know I'm still because you what? know I'm still mad. I'm still mad about my fan duel and Dame Lillard and uh Jeremy Grant. I'm still mad about that. You know, when they had three days off afterwards and you rested them because they were on the plane and they and got delayed. I was home. Just get a nice hotel near the airport. Because there's always a Marriott connection. Get a hotel at the airport. At the airport. <laughs> California king-size bed. It's like you were in the NBA franchise, and you're like, oh, those guys are tired. They had to go home. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, look, I'm holding you to the fire right now. The Suns went in the West. Mm, they're 10 games back of one. Five games back of two. Ask me this Friday. This is Friday. Next Friday, you say. <laughs> next Friday. Ask me next Friday. All right. Because know, so- just, like I said, if you look at it on the surface, if you look at it in a vacuum, healthy Booker, Durant, Craig, Paul, Aiton. Hell, I just realized well, I, we hadn't said anything about Aiton. Yeah. And they still got campaign too. <laughs> They're winning the West. They're winning the West. Okay, you are, y'all heard it here first. According to Mr. Rutley, the Suns are winning the West. Yeah, and I'm gonna get some orange and black Air Force ones if they do. 
You know Durant jersey. Beat to the fire. Beat to the fire. I'm probably gonna have to agree with you. But this is what I wanna this is what I if they play the Warriors in the first round, I pray for easy money sniper that he wins that series. Because if he gets sent home by the Warriors. No, if that happens, I want to. We can talk about that all summer long until preseason starts. Yeah, if, 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 <laughs> if he loses that series, he's not easy money sniper. He's not KD. You just Kevin that play ball. Yeah, but we know that Golden State, we're gonna, they're going to lose the road games. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't know. They might have been playing possum, you know, like, you know. I don't get. I like I said. I I I watch a lot of Warriors games. I, lo- I love watching them play. I went to the Jazz games. I think the first Jazz game I went to was against. It was the Warriors and Jazz. It was a while ago, like maybe like 2011 or something like that. So it was a while ago. Seth was out there just when he had the low fade, no beard. Um. I I like I like the way the season is shaping up. I think all the stuff, all the ancillary stuff, the course stuff with certain guys the contracts the, the legacies the, the the awards the 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 records i think all of that stuff is just i think it's more entertaining even the low management argument i think is very entertaining piece of the conversation with basketball because it's not just simply guys playing basketball it's everything that comes with it like it's not just a movie you know it's all of the actors the actor that was supposed to be in the movie the director of the movie like the whole thing and then you get to see the movie so you you follow the marvel movies you follow who's going to be this guy you watch the end credit scene so like watching the nba to me is like that it's like it's all of these superpowers kind of coming together and i just want i want a good output i want guys to play i want guys to be healthy i want all teams healthy and see what you got mm-hmm. i think that's the best way to do it and i think I think right now it's shaping up to be quite entertaining. You never know, man. We might have a good run with the Knicks. The Knicks might just be like, you know what? It's playoff time. It's the same thing we were talking about the NCAA tournament. When you have that one guy that can turn it on and get you to 40 unexpectedly and he can and he, and he get you that get you those points. That could be Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle, a guy you're not a big fan of. But, you know, he gets the right matchup I mean, and he's on. And I think that's a big deal. I think just having sports i think this year is probably like the first year in a while you can't pick out the champion oh yes i can you want oh yes i can you can say boston and phoenix but it could easily be milwaukee and denver it could be memphis and milwaukee well at this moment i feel that i know that either boston or milwaukee is going to win the title like the whole title. You know, the only reason that I wouldn't pick Boston if I don't pick Boston is the whole new coach thing, you know, like this is the playoffs, like, you know, whatever, the, you know, that's that would be the reason that I wouldn't pick Boston. But if Eme was there, I'm probably picking Boston, you know. But you got Philly. I don't got Philly. Philly, I mean, Philly, Philly has, well, according to, you know, basketballreference.com, they have two MVP candidates in the top 10. You know, I think you only have one per team because like, it's an MVP. I don't got Philly. You know, like I, like, like I think that this is the year that Philly could make the Eastern Conference Finals, but you know, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I just Jim Brown has a tight hamstring and he misses one or two games. He misses yeah, first two games. I'm not wishing injury, but something is like I think, I think we're so close at every. I don't think there's a blowout. 
so you got okay right now if it stands if it holds firm first round you got Nuggets Timberwolves Anthony Edwards is exciting maybe they go down in five maybe they still won an extra one and they and they and it goes six that's exciting Grizzlies Clippers come on now John Morant the new Westbrook with the old Westbrook I want to hear it come on okay so okay. Then, so then you give me Kings Mavericks. That can go either way. That's a six. That's a three six. And then your four five. Your, your dream matchup: Suns Warriors. So it's like last year when Boston matched up with Brooklyn in the first round. I remember. I think it was like Mike Green and Jeff Van Gundy. They, I think it might have been Stan Van Gundy. He was like, "Hey, the crazy thing about this series is that both of these teams came into the season with championship aspirations, and one of them is going to be gone in the first round." And this was like the first game. It's like both of these teams have championship caliber talent, coaching. Not, I mean, Steve Nash wasn't a great coach, but they had the players. M.A. Doak was doing a great job. Boston had been, you know, tried to, they've been to multiple conference finals. And it was like both of these teams have championship aspirations to be out in the first round. That could be the same thing with this 4-5 or five matchup with the Suns versus the Warriors. Both of those teams, Warriors defending champs, the Suns made this move for KD. They could be like, yo, we about to win it all. But one of those teams are going home. The Kings might not have those aspirations, but the Mavericks, they traded away, you know, assets to get Kyrie, but didn't re-sign him. So it's like, this might be our only shot. And they're a six seed going up against a three, and a three has a coach that's been in the finals. Yeah. It was like it's so many, it's so many things going on. But also don't forget it's exciting to me. But also, don't forget, Dallas went to the Western Conference Finals last year, you know, and, and you know, and so if they did it without Kyrie, I don't see why they couldn't. Two at one point against Phoenix in that closeout game. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to Philly, so when it comes to Philly, being a Florida State fan, and you know exactly where I'm going with this, wide right one, wide right two, wide left, blocked field goal. So when it, like, so, so when those things happen, you say to yourself, so I know it was like, can they with a hump? Yeah, you say to yourself, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. That's where I am with Philly. And it has nothing to do with Joel Embiid. It has nothing to do with Joel Embiid. It's that bearded dude. You know what I mean? Like, I need, I need to see him get over that hump. I need, because, because the thing about James Harden is that he's obviously a great player. You know, obviously the numbers make him even greater. But, you know, like, but when you look at James Harden, there's always something that happens within the playoffs. We, like, they lost. I remember they played when he was with Houston. They lost to the Spurs in game six, and Kawhi didn't even play. And they lost at home. And he went two for ten in that game. And the audience didn't come back after. It was like either it was a blowout or just the audience just did not. I remember watching that game just thinking, like, I thought I saw a lot of empty red seats. <laughs> it just was like people just – collectively either the players weren't into it the fans weren't it just i remember that game just had a it was like a gray cloud over right the, you know it just was like why did they look like this it was only game six yeah and then of course he had a chance to make history he could have got the job done before you know um you know anybody ever beat the he could have beat the the warriors with kevin durant except for his team missed 27 straight threes. Yo, just pump fake and just get a layup. Like, so this is why, like, you know, as great as James Harden is, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. 
Like he's going to just have to show and prove. He's going to have to make me wrong when I say I don't believe in Philly. Philly's not going to do it. He's just got to go do it to shut me up because until I see it, he can't do it. Well, they would have Brooklyn as it stands right now. We're doing a hypothetical as it stands right now. If this holds form and through April 15th, Bucks, Hawks, Bucks all the way. Get two seven matchups, Celtics, Heat. The Heat are scrappy. That could be tricky. They are scrappy, but. And they know Boston very well. Do they have firepower? It's cool to, you know, to be able to knuckle up in a fight, but when the gun come out, Hey, but I know Hero's having a career year, and, you know, they did just pick up Kevin Love, you know? So, I mean, at least from a rebounding standpoint. Kevin Love got the same amount of gray hair, so I don't know about all that. I mean, I'm just – I don't know if he got all this. Yeah, I I mean, I get it, um, but I would still give Boston the edge. I I give it to him in five. You don't don't think a Miami team could lose in five, but, I mean, the Spurs beat LeBron and the Heatles in five, so, like, it does happen, even for scrappy teams. Sixers, Nets – if they still had KD and Kyrie, I'm like, all right, but I'm going to go ahead and get after the Sixers. And then your four or five matchup, Cavaliers, Knicks. The East just, it doesn't have the same, it doesn't, like, the the the, the potential upset alerts on the East don't ring the same as the West. I think the West is a little closer, and I think the West has a couple of teams that are in the five, six, seven range that you would expect to be three, four, five. And then you mm-hmm. have Kings and Memphis who are two and three, where I don't think people expected Memphis to come back two years in a row and play this well. So I think that inverse, you have the whole nostalgia of the Clippers and these old, you know, old teams like, you know, Golden State at five and the Suns with KD with the, so you, you have a little bit more of a mix. The East seems to be a little bit more like one, two, three, and four are going to win their first round series. Yeah. If if Cleveland was in the West, they might have a shot. You know, they like they just running into the buzzsaws known as Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly. You know, like uh, so you know, I mean, it is what it is. But you know, but like yeah, the West is before the Suns got KD. Even with if Dallas would have got. Kyrie, the West can go many different ways. You know, like Steph has been out. So I don't think it would shock anybody if the Warriors went through. You know, like I don't think it would catch people off guard. We might be off guard just because we know the road record. You know what I mean? But I don't think many people would be shocked if the Warriors ended up in the NBA Finals again just because of their pedigree. But in the East, you know, if it's not one of those three, it's a shock. Shock, yeah. And somebody made a lot of money, probably. Yeah, it'll be like the Vegas, the guys in Vegas are are loving that. Yeah, what's his name? Mattress Matt, Mac, you know what I'm saying? Maybe he made some money. Whatever he bets on, man, bet against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he bet a million, bet everything you got your bank account on somebody else because he hadn't picked the winner in a minute. So do you think so do you think he's out there betting on the Bears trading Justin Fields? It to me. It seems like unnecessary smoke and mirrors. I'll give you an example, like of something else, but I think it's like unnecessary just to get to the point. I remember I went, I went to a club. I was in Germany. I used to go to clubs all the time. I used to hang out all the time. I had, had my crew of people. We hang out all the time. So this one guy, I knew him through other people, seemed pretty cool. 
I'm like, all right, man, like I'll roll with you since I know how to get I know how to get to all the clubs. He's like, I'll drive. I'm like, all right, bet. So we get to the club, standards club is called the Natrix. Shout out to the Natrix. If you were in Germany from 0105, you went to the Natrix. If you talk a lot of if you talk slick, you probably got beat up by an army dude or a security guard <laughs> or something, or a Turkish dude. Somebody, somebody get put hands on you. But other than that, if you were in there trying to have a good time, it was a great place. It was a big club. It was like a warehouse at like multiple levels. Crazy club. The 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 ratio was probably 60-40 female, male. Like, I mean, you were in there. All you had to do was just be there, be present in the moment, keep it authentic. So I remember this guy was standing next to me. He's like, let's go talk to these girls. I'm like, all right. They're not looking at us, but whatever. Let's see. So we walked over there and he was like, hey, what's going on? We're pilots. I'm like, why? None of that was necessary. You didn't need to insert that lie or that deception into this conversation to get a real conversation going. So with the Bears, it's like, there's no reason you're going to trade Justin Fields. You're going to get nothing for him. If I'm any team, if I'm the Raiders, if I'm Seattle, if I'm the Jets, if I know you have the number one pick and you just drafted this guy, if I throw you a fifth round pick and you give him up, oh, absolutely. I'm taking on a six foot four, 230 pound guy who set an NFL record for rush yards for a quarterback and he's 24 years old. Yeah, I'll take him for a fifth round pick, but I'm not giving you anything else to give you more capital and you get to keep the number one pick. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So for them to even flip this out there, it's ridiculous. If they want to say, hey, we're willing to trade out a number one if someone someone wants to come up to one, that's an honest conversation. You don't have to play your whole hand and say, hey, we want X, Y, and Z. Like say, hey, we'll fill calls for number one. But to put out this 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 other information or even have this information leak that they're willing mm-hmm. to move Justin Fields, it doesn't make any sense, considering that San Francisco really needs to move the guy that they traded heck, hell on earth to get to. No one's talking about moving him, but the guy who actually performed behind this terrible offensive scheme that they had. And granted, yeah, they lost 10 games in a row, but it's not his fault. The team wasn't good. The team's not built good. And the fact that they are entertaining or even putting out rumors or information that they're willing to trade Justin Fields is evidence that whomever's calling the shots over there, if they're willing to trade Justin Fields, they should just go ahead and quit. Well, see, it goes back to what I said, though. Like, you always hear that there's a coach that we think is pretty decent, everybody thinks it's pretty decent, but he wasn't hired by the current administration. And I think that could be what Justin Fields is dealing with was he wasn't the the GM that's in place now wasn't the GM that drafted him. He just took over last year. So he's not Justin. Justin Fields is not his guy. You know, the issue that I have is Justin Fields is not only a decent quarterback, you know, but he's the best running back on the team, too. And I don't mean that as an insult by calling him a running back, but that's just how good he is. You know, I think that he's got some things to work on. Obviously, we've seen him overthrow some open receivers or whatever, but that team needs a little bit of everything. So you would like to trade the pick and get as much capital back as you could, you know, because I don't see like if you trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young. You just ended up with the same guy in some ways. You're apples for apples. And he's he's 30 pounds lighter and four inches shorter. Yeah, if you're trading to get Anthony Richardson, 
he hasn't he didn't even complete 55% of his passes in college. You know, if you get Will Levis, you just got a tall dude that you're hoping turns into Josh Allen. You know, if you get CJ Stroud, you know, what does that look like? You know, so I'm looking at so I'm looking at you keep seeing me look away because I'm looking at the draft order here. And I'm trying to figure out where if, if Justin Fields was to get traded. I'm trying to figure out where that is. So like the only things that I could see, and these are still like last ditch attempts of finding a trade, you know, but like maybe the Raiders, you know, um, but I'm sure they're hoping. And according to your source, they're hoping for Aaron Rodgers, you know, going um, on Nevada. I'm looking at Tennessee, you know, de- depending on what they decide to do with Tannehill, you know, because it's obviously you bring it up all the time. Malik Willis ain't Vrabel's guy. Not you know, unless unless I'm reading it wrong. It, even in the pre, he yanked him in the preseason game. Yeah, for not throwing the ball. Instead of I, saying he went out there and made plays, he yanked him in the preseason, and then in the post the post game press conference told people why he yanked him. <laughs> I think if you're the Jets, I think if you're the Jets, it could be interesting. But I think I would more so like Derek Carr there if you could get Derek Carr. Um, you just, said the Jets trade for Justin Fields? No, no, I'm saying I don't, I, I don't see it. Like I could see people floating the idea, but I don't think I see it like as an actual good move. Number two overall, but they took Zach Wilson. So if I'm Justin, I'm not going there anyway. <laughs> you know, and then as I look down, you know, I'm looking at this, you know. Tampa is way down in the as far as draft capital. Tampa is way down at 19, you know, and allegedly Kyle Trask is going to be their starting quarterback. Obviously, Justin Fields is probably better than Kyle Trask. But if you're Tampa, do you look at that? You know, so I'm looking at and I, I just don't. But okay, that's that's interesting because I don't think you're gonna get. I don't think you can get multiple teams willing to offer a first round pick. Okay, but Tampa Bay at 19 because they have no other QB on the roster that's taking real NFL snaps. I can see that being a phone call that you take Mm -hmm. simply because they're in a division that you can win with the serviceable quarterback. So, like I said, I'm not a proponent of trading Justin Fields. I don't think anyone's going to give him a first round pick. But if someone were to give him a first round pick, you said 19 with Tampa Bay. Yep, 19. Tampa's 19, and the only other so 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 the teams that I'm thinking about, just looking at the draft order, the teams that I'm looking at, and I don't think these are likely, but these are just the teams that would maybe make a call, is the Raiders at seven, Carolina at nine, Tennessee at 11, depending on what they want to do with Tannehill, um, and Tampa, like I just mentioned. Everybody else, I think, is set. Like every everybody, Detroit's not going to get them. You I know, saw, I saw something that had Detroit taking Richardson. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, Seattle is interesting just because um, Geno Smith is a free agent, and you know there have been reports saying that Seattle may still look at drafting a quarterback. So Seattle could be a potential trade for the number one pick, maybe. But I don't know if they go after Justin Fields. You know, so Seattle could be interesting. Like, I, that that was just something that just popped into my head just now. 
As I was just, New Orleans at 29. If they're willing to move, a, I think the only team that's willing to move a first-round pick. Well, New Orleans is at uh, – oh, okay, never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, New Orleans at 29. They got it from Denver. Oh, wait, hold on. I yeah, I'm, I think I think I got New Orleans at ten. I think what I I have somebody else who's like projected with the trades and everything else. I don't have like that regular draft order. So it looks like so it looks like originally New Orleans was ten, but Philly has that now, and New Orleans has San Francisco's twenty nine. So it looks like New Orleans is twenty nine, but it's but it's San Francisco, but they got it from San Francisco. Okay. But but yeah, like New Orleans could be a player, but I know you mentioned that you like Derek Carr there. So, you know, and I know that they've had conversations with Derek Carr. Derek, I think Derek Carr, I think he would like being there too, because like I said, is that. Yeah, because like Houston, it doesn't make sense to make the trade because, you know, like you're, you aren't going to offer enough coming from number two to move up one spot. Remember Chicago moved up one spot ahead of San Francisco? To take Mitchell Trubisky mm-hmm. when Chicago was going to take a defensive lineman anyway. Yep. Who wanted so, Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah. So so Houston, it depends on what you want. Is there a particular quarterback that you want? Like, or do you want a quarterback? Or do you want a quarterback? Yeah, because like you got, for all intents and purposes, from my vantage point, you're it's Stroud or Young. You know, like I don't think any quarterback is really that standout guy in this draft. But it's either Young or Stroud, you know. So unless Houston, Davis Mills trade down to eight and try to get some draft capital. Yeah. So unless you just want one of those two specific guys, you know, I don't see the move, you know, because Levis, for as much crap as I give him, you know, he does have Josh Allen qualities to some degree, but he's not the runner that Josh Allen is. Hmm? Did he have twenty passing touchdowns in college football? <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't like you know who didn't a few guys i remember got drafted pretty high they didn't have 20 pass blaine gabbert was in the spread offense out of missouri didn't have 20 touchdowns i remember looking at trent dilfer's numbers didn't have 20 touchdowns um who else didn't have any numbers okay well uh if you look at mac jones you know you look at the bryce young mac jones comparison mac jones stood behind the best offensive line in America and was never, never had to slide in the pocket or anything. And look at those receivers he had too. And he had a Heisman wide receiver that he had meet, uh, John Mechie. Mechie. Uh, then he had Williams. I mean, it's like the, the talent, the talent level around these Alabama quarterbacks for some reason doesn't give anybody pause. But remember the Texas Tech quarterback a conundrum that they were having, none of them could get drafted because they were in the spread offense and everyone's saying, oh, it doesn't translate. But yet Michael Crabtree was a top 10 wide receiver. It's like, make it make sense to me. Is it the offense or is it the player? And I think that anyone who gets on TV and definitively says this guy is blah, 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 even though there's like evidence to the contrary, like Andrew Luck looked like an NFL quarterback. He played in a pro-style offense a bunch of tight ends. He didn't have, you know, a bunch of wide receivers that ran four threes. He just had, like, your future tech-savvy wide receivers Mm -hmm. out there running routes and tight ends. 
RG3 looked like a track star. He was like, well, everybody in the NFL is fast. They'll catch up to him. And they did. And they kept hitting him. And he kept getting hurt. Um, if you look at even Trevor Lawrence, I remember watching Trevor Lawrence, even the games where he lost, and I think when he lost to Ohio State. I was like, I remember when he dropped back and let that ball go. I was like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I seen a very similar play in the NFL when he threw a touchdown to Zay Jones. It's like he got on his back foot and he let it go. Like he saw where Zay Jones was supposed to be and he fit it in that window. A lot of these guys are throwing a wide open windows. We saw Anthony uh, Richardson's, almost the Anthony Hamilton thing about, you know, the, the songbird, but we saw his highlight reel. It was like a three minute video somebody posted in the group. I mean, the dude looked like a man amongst boys, but then you look at his numbers, like, hey, 50, 54% completion percentage. <laughs> or you, you probably get some of the fastest wide receivers in America out of the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. They're running wide open, and you still your 54%. Well, well, see, the one thing, the one pass, if you will, that I might give Anthony Richardson is he did have some, you know, you always get that quarterback in the NFL like Derek Carr who goes through offensive coordinators, you know, that happened to Alex Smith as well. They just go through coordinators. So he did have that going for him. But still, you could probably complete a little bit better than 54% of your passes, regardless of who your coordinator is. You know, um, I think a lot of people see some Cam Newton in him, um, whereas I don't see like it. out offensive end that throws the football. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't see the Cam Newton comparison outside of he's just a big dude. You know what I mean? That, like, we see run. So from that standpoint, yeah, he could be Cam Newton, but – I think Cam Cam came into the league and broke the rookie record for passing yards in the first two games. Anthony Richardson ain't doing that, you know. Um, I think people thought Cam was doing that because the knock on Cam was that they were like with the offense that he ran in Auburn, it was a number system. So, like, the, the coach would flash in, you know, six. He would look at his wristband. And I think in an interview he said he said it that way. He said it real simple. But I think the play call might have been diff- difficult. But the signal – was just all right. The wristband said six, and then he—I don't think he said six is Y bang X over. Check with me. Go route nine seven out. Kill kill bunny or whatever. You know how these plays are always crazy. Yeah. But I think he was like, yeah, the wristband would say six. I'll get the guys on the huddle to play, and then we would line up, and then. So I think people knocked him for that as if he couldn't understand defense. It's like, if he can understand the college defense, he's going to understand the NFL defense. It's like, but can you make the play? And I think with Justin Fields, he's he's shown that he can make the play. Now can you get – because me and you, I think we are texting, and it was like I said, the Washington game. It's like, just tell him to hit that check down or give him a check down as his first read or the tight end as his first read. And then the wide receivers, as you go deeper, go from line of scrimmage deep versus, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Herbert, a lot of these other guys, their first read might be the seam route, then the deep out route, and then maybe the slot post route, and then the check down. Just flip it for them. Like, all right, man, your first read is going to be here, then the tight end, and then this end cut route. Because it's all happening at the same speed. But if you can get him to get the ball out of his hand quicker, he doesn't get unnecessarily hit. Because he was getting rocked in that Washington game. And he still ran it down to the goal line. And then from that game on is when he went on his tear running the ball. So it wasn't like he was shell-shocked and afraid of the moment. 
Like, you have to look at other things besides the win-loss record. You have to look at, okay, is our coach a good coach? He might not be. Because if I'm sitting in my house saying, hey, man, how about you tell him to throw the ball in that first read? Because I'm watching the whole game. He do the hip twitch like he's going to throw it and then throw it. Every drive, I'm like, listen, just let it go. Give me, give him tight end drag routes. Those are easy. Six foot five tight commit coming across the middle in an orange jersey. You're six four, he's six five. Just dump it off to him. Let him run. Stop getting hit unnecessarily on these blitzes. Well, you know, the Bears, you have the number one draft pick for a reason. You know, and it's not due to said, Hey, watch my watch this. Yeah, it's it's not due to injuries. This isn't a team that had projections or whatever the case, you know, and then they just had injuries and finished worse than projected. We knew the Bears were going to be in last place in that division. You know, we knew the Bears were probably going to be bottom four in the league. He was going to win it. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so from that standpoint, get this man some wide receivers, unless you think, you know, Chase Claypool is going to turn into Odell Beckham somehow, you know, um, you know, they, he doesn't have receivers. He doesn't have a good offensive line. You know, so that's why you trade the pick, not him, because you got a lot of holes to fill on that team that don't have to do with him. And the best part, he's still under his rookie contract. So you don't need to give up on him, right? Just like the Jets, right? You don't need to give up on Zach Wilson. He doesn't need to be a starter, per se. No, Zach Wilson's not good. He's giving you nothing. No, I know. I know he's not good, you know, because Mike White from Western Kentucky University you know, came in there and showed that man how you quarterback in New York or New Jersey. Yeah. You know, but but what but my point is Justin Fields is still under his rookie contract. So you don't have a reason to pull a trigger yet to say this isn't gonna work. He's not gonna be a guy, you know, whatever the case. Like you you still have a year or two to figure that out, you know. But like I said, I think, you know, I don't think he's gonna get traded. I think this is just something nice to talk about and it's something controversial to get people talking. I don't think it's really on the table to trade him. I'm not sure. Like, that's the thing. Like, as a, as a Browns, not Browns, excuse me, because that's what I'm saying. They're acting like the Browns. As a Bears executive, it's like, you don't need, you don't need, you don't need to say that you're a pilot. Just have the conversation. Just walk up, have the conversation and see where it goes. You don't need the smoke and mirrors. Like, you don't need to float the idea that you're willing to trade your quarterback that you have in place for what? Because you're trading a pick. I guarantee you, if anyone wants to get the one before the Justin Field conversation started, if I needed to get from six, seven, four, to one, whatever the case may be, if I need to get the one, I'm going to give you my top 10 pick for this year that we have, probably a second this year that we have. A second next year and a third or a fourth next year. Like I think that's kind of the going number. Like we swap picks for the first round this year. So you go from one to four and you get my second this year, my second next year, and my fourth next year. I think that's like the bare minimum for guy for teams to move up historically. Like well, my, I seen the, so I, like if you get like if I'm getting if I'm going from one to four. And I'm getting another second round pick. So that gives me the fourth overall pick, which is going to allow me to get probably the third best player because normally somebody's going to reach for a quarterback that might not be better than 
Will Anderson. It might not be better than like some offensive tackle out of Iowa or Purdue or something like that. So I might get the second or third best player in the draft. Then I get two second round picks. So now I bundle those two second round picks I got to jump back into 19 to get that wide receiver that fell. You know, like it's simple. It's not even it doesn't need to be this complicated. You don't need to walk up to this you know, this group of females and say you're a pilot. You can just walk up and say your name. You don't yeah, need you don't need all this extra stuff. Just walk up and say, hey, what's up? Let's make this deal. I think that if somebody does trade up for the number one pick, I think Indy is probably the most likely culprit, <laughs> you know, um, but just because I've heard Ursay now it could just be talk. But, you know, Ursay has made it sound like he's interested in the number one pick. Now, I don't know who that would be from what I've heard, what I've read today, allegedly, because last, you know, a couple episodes ago, I talked about Philip Rivers giving Shane Steichen the approval, you know, giving the Colts the approval of him. But I saw today that it looks like Peyton Manning may have given the approval for Will Levis. So, you know, you know, it's a crapshoot right now. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. We'll figure it out as it gets closer. But it's great conversation. It's a lot to think about, you know. But I don't see who the team is that wants Justin Fields right now. Unless, I mean, unless they just see something that hasn't happened yet. They can see the future or whatever the case. I don't see that team that wants Justin Fields. So they have to trade, the, they do have to trade the number one pick because even if they draft a great player at number one, if they draft, uh, you know, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter and they just happen to be the truth, you know, like you're still not filling the rest of the needs. Yeah, if you trade with, if you trade with Indy, you can go from one to four. Like, let's see, let's, let's, let's do a little, little historical research and find out how St. Louis got to one to get Jared Goff. All right, so I'm, I'm gonna pull this up real quick. All right. So yeah. So so if if you're 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 the coach, the coach GM, I'm the Bears GM. You call me. Give me your pitch. So for say that again. You're trying. To, you're the coach GM. I'm trying to get Fields. No, you're trying to get the one. Oh, I'm trying to get the number one. Okay. Yeah. So all right, I'm gonna say hey. I'm going to give you my first round draft pick so we can swap. I'm going to give you my second round pick for this year. And I'll give you two thirds or I'll give you, I'll give you a third for next year and a second or a third in the following draft that, you know, so two drafts away. So you got, so I'm going from one to four, one to four. You give me a second. Yep. For this year to four. You're going to give me your second, which should be around the 35th pick, because there's only 35 picks. Mm -hmm. The 35th pick overall, I already have the 32nd pick. And then you give me, what else is your? A third next year. Third next year. And then a third the year after. Or a second. You could talk me into a second. All right, cool. You give me the... I'll take the fourth pick this year. I'll take a second and a third this year and a fourth next year. I can roll with that. Now that deal can be made. You take the second and third you got because you take your you take your best guy in the next round at 32. Mm-hmm. And you trade either your two third round picks you now have to move into the second round. Or you trade your second and third round pick 
to move back into the first round. Right. You're getting three or four players. All right. So yeah, and you got your teams. You got your teams like you mentioned last week. You got your teams like Kansas City, who has an a lot a lot of picks. You know wow. what I mean? And they're, and they're the Super Bowl champions. They got Patrick Mahomes. You know, they might a team like that might be willing to move later into the draft to let you get back to 31 and get right. to let you back to 29. Right. So April 14, 2016, the Rams sent their first round pick, their second round pick, a third round pick, 2017 first round pick, and a 2017 third round pick to the Titans to get the one. And then Eagles essentially did the same thing six days later to get Carson Wentz. So you got, so the Rams gave up 2016 first, second, and third, mm-hmm. and the 2017 first and third. So I'll take that same deal if I'm. Yeah, I guess you just I, add on another first round pick to what we said. So that's it. So if you're indie, if you're indie, you're like, yo, um. We're a good team. If we get the one to get Bryce Young, we're ten and seven, especially with our division. We can go four and two in our division. I mean, Jacksonville is hot, but teams go from worst to first all the time. Houston's probably not going to be that much better because I don't think Houston's going to make any moves with their number two pick because I think they feel like they have to take C.J. Stroud. Chicago is just, I mean, what 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 does Shannon say? Him and Skip they're in the catbird seat. Mm-hmm. They're literally sitting in the best position. They can literally walk away from this draft with they can get five picks from Indy in conversation and then flip every one of those other picks after yep. four. And at four, and at four, and at four, they can grab Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or a lineman, and then later they can get their receiver. To put a, to put next to you know Claypool. Exactly. Then if you if you look at it like okay here we go, who's late? Who's in the twenties? Seattle, Chargers, Baltimore, Minnesota. Minnesota's drafting twenty three. Mm-hmm. Is that where they lost in the playoffs? You know, but but the, yeah, but but That's you know, but, but even then, but even then, like I don't know if your division partner is going to deal with you in that way. Buffalo at 27. Mm-hmm. Buffalo will take a, a second and a third to drop out of the first round because they need a tight end, a guard, a center, defensive tackle, and safety. You know, or, you know, like we mentioned earlier. Are you getting, are you getting the best at any of these positions at 27? Probably not. But, but, like, but, but we also mentioned earlier, but we also mentioned earlier, Tampa at 19 is interesting. Because they could put, well, because, because, like, if, if, so say, you know, Stroud and Young are going to be gone. We already know that. You know, I'm not buying the Richardson hype, you know, that he's going to be in the top 10 or, you know, whatever. You know, you got Levis out there. So Tampa could fall back and grab a quarterback, you know, early second round or, you know, or just sign a free agent. Just go, or just sign a free agent. Yeah. Get, get Taylor Heineke. I think Taylor Heineke in Tampa is a good move. It's a good bridge. Or you you start trash and you have Heineke as a backup. You know he can play. He's played in playoffs. I know he's not your guy because he is my guy. I don't you know I I don't know why we sat. Oh, you did that on purpose. Never mind. I'm not falling for this. No, no. But no. anyway, 
I scrolled up. I scrolled up to sixteen, and because I, I looked, I was like, okay, well, Tyler Heineke is is available. Well, Heineke isn't my guy for the future, but you know, I definitely didn't want Carson Wentz in the first place. I'll just put it like that. But I could talk myself into Jalen Carter if you know he was available to Washington. But is Jalen Carter? going to fall in the draft to where Washington might be able to get him. Depends on how good his lawyer is. <laughs> because, like I said, we, we, we talked about um, the tragic shooting of a young mother last week. And when I, we, like I said, in our pre-conversation, I pulled up a couple of things. Listen, I'm, I've always been very interested in the law. I think it's, I think the way it's used is, is intriguing in the Constitution and everything else. What I've read the research that I've done for Jalen Carter, it just says that he's been indicted on charges related to the crime, but I don't know what they are. And I'm not sure what, because the reason I guess he was, for lack of a better word, targeted by the police was that his story that he gave to police was inconsistent, either with the facts that they that they found out later, or the fact that he like he was there, like maybe some kind of video evidence that he was closer to the scene than he firstly first brought up. But I'm not sure exactly what you charge him with because he isn't operating the other vehicle. And there's a report that came out a couple, couple of days ago that sadly the staffer Chandler Lacroix she was driving her blood alcohol content was twice the legal limit. So do you charge someone else, even if they were racing, can you charge him with the crime when the operator of the vehicle was under the influence? That's not on him. So you can't say, oh, because they crashed because they were racing or so, they crashed because the driver was under the influence. So, so, so real quick, I want you to continue, but real quick. So uh, what I found was he's facing misdemeanor charges uh, of reckless driving and racing. So they made him turn himself in for a misdemeanor and mugshot him for a misdemeanor? Took him from the combine. Jaywalk is a misdemeanor. Yeah, but go ahead, continue. I want you to continue. I just wanted to throw that out there. So this is just the map. I think hopefully he didn't I'm going to say, hopefully, I don't want to give legal advice. If you don't give a statement after you get arrested and you get one of those lawyers who might have graduated from Georgia and they kind of handle this, because I don't know I don't know what crime you can charge him with in connection to the death. I don't think you can link. I don't think I don't think you can, can levy a charge against him. That's going to allow you to prosecute him for the deaths of these two young people. So all you can get him on is just misdemeanors lying to the police. It might hurt his draft stock. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Depends on who gets in the room and has a conversation with him first. So if he gets in the room and he gets the full support of Kirby Smart, and the full support of the defensive coordinator and the full support of the AD, not necessarily publicly, but in conversations with teams who are drafting second, third, fourth, fifth, up to eighth, 
and they call and say, hey, what's going on? Atlanta's right there at eight. You can always use, you can always use a good defensive tackle pass rush. And the Falcons fans have always, I'm always on it like this. They are like, yo, how is it that Georgia has all of these players, they play all their bowl games in our building, and yet we don't draft a single one of them early in the, in the draft? It's, it's, it's because of DJ Shockley. Yo, he's like, he works with the team. He breaks down film. He posts like a little video every week breaking down like the best pass play or the best defense play. Or he's, you know, but it's, and I'm not saying that it should be ignored. And it's, you know, it's a talent versus tolerance situation. And that should be the only exclusionary, like, discretion you use. But it's it's very sad that, you know, that these young people lost their lives. But in the same sense, the operator of the vehicle was intoxicated. If he was driving the car and crashed and he was racing and someone inside the vehicle passed, then that's on him. But you can't be like, oh, well, you made them race. You made them, made her drive 104 miles an hour and they said with a 2021 Ford Expedition. So it could have hurt his draft stock. I think it might. I think he might slip either late in the first round or out of the first round entirely or Maybe enough information comes out over the next six or seven weeks to show that maybe this charge isn't even like they can't prosecute because it it's a misdemeanor. So, like, I don't know. It just depends on how how it plays out legally versus how it plays out publicly, because the way the way it's being the, thumb, the, the thumbnails and the clicks are making it seem as if his involvement led to their death. Like he bumped them with the car and they lost control, but it's just a matter of he just was also just involved, and it's not to that extent that you know you can charge him with their death. So it just depends on how how people want to view it. How does the interview? How does how does you know his the people who are in the room and advocate for him? I think that's 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 probably the biggest key. Well, Jalen Carter wants us to know. Quote, there is no question in my mind that when all of the facts are known that I will be fully exonerated, I love that word, of any criminal wrongdoing, end quote. Could have kept that to yourself. Yeah, so. um, Listen, we expect you to feel that way. Just shut up. So. so, (laughs) Remain silent. Like, listen, all people listening to this, it is the first thing they say to you. You have the right to remain silent. Do not try to defend yourself in the court of public opinion. It is irrelevant what the public thinks. Yes, it can drive the needle. It can make people want to prosecute you. You do not have to defend yourself against a citizen on Twitter. You defend yourself against the court or the state that you're in, the state you're being charged. That's it. Shut your mouth. Let the law do what the law does. Don't go out here on Twitter and Instagram don't be out here reckless driving anymore. Don't drive at all. So, um, back when Todd McShay was talking about how bad of a locker room guy Jalen Carter was. Character issues, yes. Yeah. 
So this does not, and I want to say this to people that because I've heard people say this, this story does not make Todd Mache correct. Yeah, because correct. Yeah, he was talking about actual on the field football related locker room stuff. So when I, so um looking at this situation, what Todd Mache should have reported if he knew if he ever had facts, but that's cool. Yeah, was that back in September. Uh, Jalen Carter got pulled over for doing an 89 and a 45. So this reckless driving may be a bit of a pattern. You know, like pattern might be a leak, but this is more than one. Pattern is a leak. Listen, I know yeah. we're part of the media now. We got <laughs> We got to be realistic. Hey, look. I got pulled over doing 97 on I-95 trying to get to the train station to catch my flight to Vegas. So it wasn't reckless. I could have, I could have got the ticket. I could have got, but the okay, pulled me over. He checked my license and he sent me on my way. But, I still drive over eighty-five right now in a sixty-five. But, but, not to compare situations because I know they happened on the same day with the whole Brandon Miller situation. But the point point that I made last week was if Brandon Miller was the dude at the end of the bench. This is a lot different. He's probably not on the team anymore. So this cop that pulled Jalen Carter over for doing the 89 and the 45 uh, told him, quote, your break is that you're not going to jail. That would make the news, right? Maybe you should text your teammates and tell them to slow down, end quote. Sounds so, like Georgia players got cars from car dealerships and they're driving around this little town and the cops are getting sick of it. Yeah, it sounds like NIL gone wild. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> NIL deal at the car dealership. All these dudes got Chargers and Durangos that are supercharged up and they're driving around recklessly. Yes, yeah. it happens. And, and but see, let me go. I flash my little Massar military ID. And he was like, where are you going? Like, listen, I got to catch a train. I'm going to Vegas. Had a good time in Vegas that weekend. But it happens. So, like I said, with him, I do think, and, it, it, and I don't want to, I don't want to equate everything to every time there's a draft, there seems to be this, this insatiable search to find what the player did wrong, mm-hmm. what the player had wrong in their life they had to overcome, or what the player can't do at the next level. It's so, it's, it, just, it just feels so negative. So, so for Jalen Carter, it, it's unfortunate that, that their behavior put them in this position and it's unfortunate that um, this young lady and this young man lost their lives in that car accident. It was two other people in the car that survived. Right. And if you read it, if you if you read it, it sounds like it says failed to negotiate a left curb, resulting in a vehicle striking the curb and the front passenger tire, leaving the roadway, going to strike a Georgia power telephone pole, and cutting the pole in half. No, utility pole cutting them in half. So I'm guessing it's cut, I cut the vehicle in half, mm-hmm. not the individual. I think it just probably hit the pole when they right. hit the curb, turn it left, and the people in the, I don't know where people were sitting, but two people survived, and then, unfortunately, two young people lost their lives. Yeah, so when I sat around, um, playing around, trying to do some mock draft. You know, uh, I originally had Jalen Carter going number three to the Cardinals. Um, I think he does fall, but I don't think he falls, you know, like, I don't think he comes crashing down, if you will. 
Um, I think that I could see him going somewhere between 11 and 18, you know? So I think he falls, but I think he stays within that time. Honestly. I think think he may fall. I mean, obviously, it depends on what we find out going forward. But as of this moment, with the limited knowledge that we have right now, you know, I think there's a chance that he falls. Now, two weeks from now, we might find out some other stuff and it's all over with and we just move on and he goes number three to the Cardinals. But as in the moment getting pulled from the combine is just, and that, I think that's the part that I'm focused on where it might hurt his draft stock is that he had to leave the combine to go talk to the police. Like that's not a good look, no matter what the situation is. Yeah. I think, I think, I think you're correct that there's a potential that he's going to fall. The for him, just from from speaking for Jalen, not like I said, it's very unfortunate that these two people passed. But I think the gift and the curse for him is that he got this happened the beginning of March. So if his innocence is to the level that he is claimed on whatever social media platform that or whatever platform he put that information on, as far as like his, his exoneration. If it is clean, like if he literally, if it's just a matter of they were racing and she literally drove and she was way ahead of them and he slowed down and then the crash happened and then he rolled up after the fact. Because I think that's the story that was. Yeah, like allegedly he was he he said that he was about a mile away, a mile behind them. So he ended up coming up to the scene, seeing the car. Yeah. So depends on what kind of strip street you're on. I know I've been to Arizona. I don't know if you've been to Phoenix. It's um I, I went to Phoenix once I was driving like a 05 Nissan Altima. This was like I think it was 06. And some dude rode up next to me and was like revving his engine trying to race because Phoenix is a grid, like the whole city. So if he does have that, if that's something that he does and he goes to Phoenix, then he needs to have a true maturity 180. If you do like the street race and do all this crazy stuff and when you're behind the wheel of cars and you're number three overall pick and you get this mm-hmm. big kind of bonus and you're out west and it's just flat and straight lines. Like, I mean, the whole city, you just take, it's like multiple, like the whole city's a grid. It's just, they're very long. Mm-hmm. So a lot of opportunity to the loops that go around the city. It's the same way. They filmed, you know that scene in the kingdom with Jamie Foxx? Like that big chase scene and everything. Mm-hmm. He filmed that in Arizona, like on that that long stretch of road. That's mm-hmm. on the outside of Phoenix. It's like Peoria or something like that. So if he does have a, an issue with his desire to be this speed demon, they, that's something he's going to have to get under control because if he, if he gets drafted at his position that people are deeming they should go, two, three, four, five, somewhere in that range. And he gets caught doing it again. He's done. Henry Ruggs. Like, Vegas is the same way. Vegas, the Las Vegas Strip is five lanes wide on each side. One o'clock in the morning. There's nobody out there really driving around. Most people are walking. One, two, three o'clock in the morning. And it just looks, it looks appealing to someone who likes the speed. So if he really has, like, this desire to do this and he can't control himself when he gets behind the wheel and he wants to speed in college imagine after you give him a few million dollars that he can go buy that souped up whatever car he wants 
then he's 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 going to be on two strikes coming in. Oh yeah, I know all about Phoenix and I know all about the racing out there, but unfortunately, I lived in Tucson. But you know, um, and it was it's amazing to me how different they are being so close together. They're they're less than two hours apart, but you go couldn't be more different. But but you know, but yeah, um, Jalen Carter, I think prov- provided like he he obviously has some issue with speeding. You know, he's a young dude. You know, if you go back and look at my record, I probably got like six or seven speeding tickets within like three or four year periods at times. So, so, so I'm not going to nail him for that per se. Flash you when you drove in the other, if you're in the wrong lane, it would flash you. So I got a couple. Yeah. You know, so, so like, like, but I think the 89 and the 45 is a little wild. You know, like, obviously, I don't know what the speed limit was on this road that they were on in this particular situation. This one, it says 40. Okay. And and did, did you have what they went? He was doing 104 on the roadway. It says uh, the speed limit was 40. Yeah, so that's just dumb in the first place. You know what I mean? That's That's dumb. Unfortunately, because of something dumb, because of something dumb, um, Warren McClendon, who was an offensive lineman for Georgia and the recruiting staff of Victoria Bowles, had to lose their life. And that was totally unnecessary, you know. But going back to what you said, legally, I don't know what. Even if they do say, you know, hey, misdemeanor for reckless driving and, you know, the racing or whatever, like, I don't think that leads him to not having an NFL career. You know, like, um, he will be in the NFL provided. Everything that we know now is the truth. The next right. seven weeks is copacetic. Like I say, you're 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 innocent until proven guilty. It's just unfortunate that you have Dante Stallworth. Remember when he he struck mm-hmm. a man on the, on the highway in Miami? I think he did a year, maybe eighteen months in prison, and he came back to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Then you had like there was we, somebody from the Rams, Leonard Little, maybe. Did he, no, it was Dante Starr was one I remember. Yeah, hold on. I, yeah, I think there was there was a Leonard. Keep talking though. I think there was a Leonard Little. Through a kid's football game, the former running back from Nebraska, he went to prison. Remember that story, right? Yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. Yep. Kids playing football in the park and they drove his car through the park trying to hit him. Yeah, it was it was Leonard Little. Um, back in 1998, you know, played for the Rams, driving drunk, and um. Let's see, what was it? Um, yeah, I'm reading, but yeah, it looks like they, they said that it was a fatal accident. So, you know, um, so we've seen this before, like worse, much worse situations, Yeah. you know, and players have been able to come back and recover or, you know, whereas with Jill and Carter, like for one, it's a misdemeanor, you know, for two, you know, as far as we can tell, you know, he didn't murder anyone. You know, um, so I think that he'll be fine as far as his eligibility for the NFL. Very sad if it comes out that his bumper, yeah, bumped the side and caused it. It, it I mean, it, it's it's sad already. I mean, decision making. This I, I was 24 a couple of decades ago, so I know that you don't make the greatest decisions then you add alcohol it only makes it worse we used to get those briefings every friday we got them in tech school we've got them my first base was germany where the legal drinking age for europeans is 16 in germany 
18 on base. We were getting briefed all the time about how your behavior changes when you drink, places you go when you drink, don't drive when you drink, call me, I'd rather come pick you up. I mean, I had my commander literally end commander's calls. Listen, I'd rather get out of my bed and come pick you up, no questions asked. It's like, I won't ask you a single thing. I will pick you up. I will take you to your house. I will take you to your room and we will come to work on Monday and be fine. If you make a habit of it, then we'll have a conversation, obviously. But if you need me to come get you, I will come get you. Yeah. So the overall theme here. But post championship celebration, I just can't. I just don't understand why people weren't more focused on the players, the young staffers that they have. Like, listen, have a plan. Take the party bus. Take this. Like, we know you guys are going to go celebrate this championship. Have a plan. And I get people straight from that plan, but it's like, you just, you want to put, you want to put your arms around all these young people you have. Because I remember 21. I remember my 21st birthday party. We all drank Don Perignon and Moet was spraying all over the place. We had a ball, but I had a designated driver. Everybody, everybody that came to the club with us, we had a designated driver. Even at 21, it's like, yo, I knew I was going to do some craziness because I turned 21. And like I said, we was out there drinking Don Perignon. It tastes like pickle juice. Don't buy it. Save you money. Moet just sprays it where it's no good. Save you money. Get some $12 Oscars Monty and you're good to go. But put your arms around these young players and, like, don't just use their bodies for your success. Like, make sure that they're on the right path. It's, 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 it's a tough it's, – it's tough. And you know everyone's going to look at it like, oh, that's stupid. Why would you do that? We all done it. Like I said, I, I was doing 97 trying to get to the train station, just but I was trying to just weave through traffic. And just like the, my, my car just accelerated. Yeah. yeah. It ostracized for it. I didn't get chastised for it. I was like, I just told Trevor, I'm trying to get to the train station. He was like, all right. Yeah. Bottom line, just don't drink and drive, people. You know, like, you know, I know, you know, there's the guilty of, eh, you know, I live five minutes away or, you know, like, it's still not worth it, you know, because you, you just don't know what's waiting out there for you. But Raph, you know, um, so the story was very alarming. But then to on a lighter note, you said something that alarmed me earlier. But I want to know, is it true? Do you really not have anything to get off your chest? You know what? This week I've been so in the work in my finals. <laughs> anything that I that I heard or any like I was watching I watched Undisputed they were going back and forth whether or not it was LeBron's left foot that was hurt or the right foot I was like, <laughs> uh, I had I listened to another conversation this was like I think it was Colin Cowherd he was talking about something it was like nothing was really like pushing my buttons like I said then on top of that I'm like working I was working on this paper all week so it was like I mean short of just I mean the Jalen Carter just another young you know young black man in position to to succeed at a high level putting himself in a position where like you don't see tomorrow. I think that that's that's a big deal. But I, I think like that's the same that's the same premise I kind of I walk with all the time. It's like you're in a position to do good things for your family, good things for yourself. You know, try to stay as close as you can to that line and don't stray from it. You can have a good time. You can 
like they could have had a good time and had a sober driver drive them in that in that expedition. It probably seats seven people. They could have had the same fun, whatever they're up to, whatever they're trying to go. They all could have been in it with a sober 19-year-old walk-on driving them to wherever they were going or an Uber and put it on Kirby Smart's tab, you know, little things like that. So I think an extension of the Jalen Carter conversation is like that same. This isn't forever. Like your 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 youth isn't forever. Your football opportunity isn't forever. And it can go away very, very quickly. Learn from Henry Ruggs. Stop driving fast. Go to a racetrack. You can, for like $200, you can get in a race car and do like two laps in most places that have racetracks. Martinsville, Virginia, to Vegas, to New Hampshire, they all have like a day where you can just pay a little money and have a race car driver drive you around this oval four or five laps for a couple hundred bucks and you get that joy. Don't go out here in your Honda Civic or your your Subaru or your Kia and try to race somebody. You know, just be smart. Do smart things. Realize that, like, tomorrow life still can happen if you make the right decisions today. So short of that, really, I think that's, like, the only, like, extension. Like, listen, make better choices. Be better. Try to really strive for, you know, good, smart, positive decision-making and let that lead you from day to day. All right. So Antoine Davis, Detroit Mercy University. This message is for you. So last night, I was searching around for these streams because I was going to watch Detroit against Youngstown State, you know, in the quarterfinals of the Horizon League conference tournament you know conference tournaments are here wrath tomorrow we're going to have our first team in march madness but anyway so i was uh so i was uh watching this game and antoine davis came into the game 26 points away from breaking pistol pete maravich's all-time ncaa scoring record now before the game there were people out there that said they were going to put an asterisk by it because he had the fifth year for COVID. Pistol Pete did it in three years. He averaged 44 points throughout his college career. No three-point line and all that good stuff. And I say, look, it's okay to talk about records in context, but if this guy would have broke the record, he breaks the record, you know, at the end of the day. Um, so he fell three points short, you know. Um, so I saw some people on Twitter as well saying that he just didn't want it. That's so lazy. That's 26 shots. Yeah, he took 26 shots. He only he only made seven of them. You know, but my mo- my overall message here is I've heard announcers and commentators saying, hey, Detroit can pay to go play in the college basketball invitational, the CBI, or the CBI could invite Detroit to the tournament. My message is don't break the record like that. You know, like you had your chance to break the record last night. You had the fifth extra year. Like, don't go out cheap like that. Like, I know you want the record. I know we would like to see records go down just to be a part of history. But don't do it like that, you know. Do it the right way. Do it during the regular game. Now, if you were in March Madness, obviously that's different. If you were in the NIT, different. Who watches the CBI? What channel does it come on? You know, who's in it? I've seen it for the last five or so years, teams with losing records. And, oh, by the way, just in case you were wondering, 
Detroit's record is 14 and 18. So please, Detroit Mercy University, and please, Antoine Davis, don't break the record like that. There is nothing wrong, and this is probably the first time and last time I'll ever say this, there's nothing wrong with being number two. You know, there's nothing wrong with being number two. You know, um, ask Easy Money Sniper, he's always number two. You know, I, I just feel like, I just feel like at this point, it's such a hollow record held by such a loved individual that you just don't want to break it like that. Well said. And with that being said, we come to an end of another Force Reports is ordered. Like you say, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, Fear My Wrath. All right, Mike, where you at? Instagram, MLW25. Twitter, 2-Bit Reports. That's what's up. So once again, thank y'all for checking in, signing out. Salute. See y'all on Tuesday.